everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, August 9th edition of uh, our little get-together every Wednesday night. Happy for uh, have you, happy to have you tonight. Uh, we welcome in Nash Severe Weather. You probably have followed along with them on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we'll let the guys introduce themselves here in just a little bit and kind of tell you about uh, what they got going on in the Nashville area. Since we are a live podcast and broadcast tonight, if you have any questions, please feel free to send them our way. You can do that one of uh, several ways. Uh, James has all of our live streams up and going. So Facebook Live, Periscope, you can follow along on our Facebook page. Uh, submit some questions that way or via Twitter, Carolina WX Group. We'll monitor those throughout the show. And if there's any questions, we will get those um, answered for you. And if you're listening on the uh broadcast uh, or podcast later on. Uh, we'll let the guys share their social media accounts so you can direct any questions towards them. So again, uh, we have Nash Severe Weather on tonight from the Nashville, Tennessee area. and happy to have them. I do want to tell you before we go around the panel, this is show number 195. Hard to believe we're closing in on the uh, 200th show. That'll be uh, next month. But again, show 195. So we're uh, happy to be with you again on this Wednesday night. And uh, let's start it off with, um, I'm going to go with James first because I know Shay will talk about the tropics. Uh, James, how's things going on uh, down in the uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area? You guys, big time, PGA Championship, Carolina Panthers yeah. season game, a lot going on in the Queen City. Temperature is good for PGA. They are dealing with some clouds and some rain that's been moving through, uh, but hopefully they'll be able to get in uh, golf appropriately. They've been doing their practice rounds, as I understand it, and then the big thing happens uh, this weekend. That's the closest I think I'm ever going to get to giving a sports report, so uh, hopefully that was accurate. But other than that, the weather is not too bad, uh, but just like I said, some cloudiness and some raininess, but you know what? I won't complain because it's August. It could be 100 degrees outside, and it's not. That is true. Uh, I actually complained about that today. I was like, we're in the dog dog days of August, and it's like 80 degrees and not really humid at all. So I, for one, as you guys know, love the summertime, the heat and humidity. So I kind of miss it around here. Let's uh, toss it down to the uh, low country of South Carolina in Charleston. Let's bring in Shay Gibson. Shay, been kind of busy, not per se. Well, I guess you guys have had a lot of rain down there, but also in the tropics, it's really getting busy from this time last week. Yes, it is, Scotty. We're looking at another uh, or a little area, Invest 99L, that uh, seems to want to approach the southeast region. It's a little bit uncertain on its strengthening, but uh, if we take a look at the local for our area, let me know when you can see this. This pretty much tells the tale of what's going on in the southeast. We have a stationary front just sort of sitting, sitting down over the top of us. Uh, lots of rain lately. We've had lots of rains and storms. It's pretty warm, pretty muggy and humid, and we expect this to go on through tomorrow. This front will probably back through the coastline and further inland to the mid-state. As we get into Saturday and Sunday, we'll get a little bit of a, of a modest southerly flow to dry things out just a little bit at the coast, but we still have those afternoon storms along the sea breeze to deal with. That's pretty, that's pretty much it for the, um, the south or the southeast, let's say South Carolina, North Carolina. And as you can see here on the wind map, you can see the uh, northeast wedge working down the coastline to make things just a little bit more interesting, but it does keep the storming down with that cool air sort of sinking down into the area to keep the storms further to the south of the boundary. In fact, on this radar, you can see the, the front has draped further south down over Georgia and off the coast, but as we get into tomorrow, that wedge will weaken and the front will lift back towards the area at least through tomorrow and tomorrow night. So uh, that is um, 
pretty much the, the local forecast as far as the tropics. Boy, things have really heated up lately. I'll go ahead and screen share what's going on in the Bay of Campeche as we have now Hurricane Franklin was upgraded at 4 p.m. today and the winds were at 80 miles per hour. I think now it's at 85 miles per hour. In fact, let's go ahead and look at the National Hurricane Center, the latest at 7 p.m., 85 miles an hour, with pressure down to 983 millibars. Uh, unfortunately, this area does not have radar uh, of Mexico, and it's really unfortunate because uh, the, uh, most of the Mexican radar, in fact, let me see if I can pull up. I don't know if I have it. But either way, here's um, the GO-16 of Franklin. You can see this deep convection wrapping around an eye wall that's trying, it's trying to form an eye here in the middle and it may do that just before landfall. But you can see how deep the convection is and how vertically stacked the system is. It's growing. It may even get up to 90 to 95 miles an hour just before landfall. Uh, we'll know in the next update, probably doing at 10 p.m. Uh, and that is pretty much for the tropics. If we look back over here, we see this area, this, this area of disturbance. Uh, Invest 99L, this is actually up from, it was originally 30 to 50% chance uh, last week. And now it's up. It went down to 0.20. Now it's back up to 10.50. The euro has been consistent on developing the system. In fact, if we look ahead in time, here's the European model, and you can see the system kind of approaching the southeast region. But then it hooks it away from the coastline. So it looks like a minute, maybe a tropical storm at best with this system. I don't think we're going to see a full-blown hurricane unless it stalls or slows down. This area is very ripe where it is. Uh, forecast to track just north of the Bahamas. Uh, very warm water relaxed shear environment, and uh, it, it looks to be pretty favorable for development. It, I don't think it'd be too rapid because of how fast the system's moving already. It looks like it's going at a pretty good clip. Uh, as far as this little area right here, not much is expected to develop with it. It's, it's a pretty strong tropical wave. It's expected to bring some heavy showers and uh, some winds to the, basically to the Bahamas and Southern Florida over the next couple of days. So they're just circling it for a chance in this area because of how ripe the environment is and that's about it for the tropics scotty back to you i was going to say shay that uh i must not have been paying attention a lot today i didn't know that little uh, area developed outside of the bahamas so uh, but like you said it looks like it's going to be remaining pretty weak and we will have to watch see whatever franklin may decide to do i know the ensembles have been kind of back and forth as well so that'll be uh, interesting to watch here in the next week or so Let's go out to the Memphis, Tennessee area. I'm going to bring in Eric. And Eric, I'll let you bring in our guest after that. So how's the weather out there on the Mississippi? And then uh, we'll go into the show. Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Uh, looks uh, pretty decent here, actually. We've, um, this, is, this is our uh, typical dog days of summer type of uh, our type, time of year. Um, and we've had now 13 consecutive days of below normal temperatures. Uh, front went through here uh, Sunday, dropped just to the south into central Mississippi. And uh, last week, we thought that might stall out right over the area, and we'd have a really, really wet week. And actually, the first three days of this week have been uh, very pleasant. Uh, dew points have dropped down in the mid-60s and highs in the 80s. I think we've only touched 90 twice in the last uh, two weeks. So uh, not bad for uh, for right in the middle of the hottest part of the year. We'll certainly take it. And uh, looks like the, the uh, outlook going out uh, says we might stay below normal from, from here and points west, a good part of the central part of the country, staying below normal for the next week or two. So... We'll certainly take it, um, and uh, I know we'll we'll be getting our share as uh, as time goes along and fall gets here. We start getting some more fronts moving through, so uh, definitely not anything to complain about uh, over here on this side of Tennessee. 
but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, another part of Tennessee, shifting over to the east just a little bit. Uh, we're glad to have on tonight uh, David Drobny and Will Minkoff from uh, Nash Severe Weather, uh, and they have quite the following over there in Nashville and a pretty unique uh, kind of uh, story to tell and how they uh, how they got into things. I've known uh, Dave and Will for quite a while. Um, like to benchmark on a lot of things with them. These guys uh, really know what they're doing. They're the home of shenanigans, crazy Ivans, and snow domes over there in uh, Middle Tennessee. So welcome onto the show, uh, David and Will. Hey, what's up? I'm David. Hey, I'm Will. Happy to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you guys being on. So I saw that they were, uh, speaking of numbers, we'll start there, uh, that uh, just in the last couple of days, they were celebrating hitting 130,000 followers. And I, I think David made the comment something about bigger than Memphis on that reply to somebody. I did see that. Um, and, and we still uh, hold true to the true math over here that 901 is greater than 615. And we'll stand by that until the very end. But um, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of a, a background? Maybe I'll start with David and then let Will kind of pick up in here as well. How did this all start, guys? And what is your uh, what is kind of your modus operandi over there in, in the national? Area? Well, first, thanks for having us. Second, the current temperature is 82 degrees, the dew point 63. I, I think you'll find that those conditions slightly better um, in Nashville than they are in Memphis or will ever be in Memphis. Um, and later in the show, if you need to, on the screen share part of the show, I could show you a couple of articles definitively proving why Nashville is a better place to live than Memphis. Um, and so um, now to the joking part of the podcast, let me just say at the very beginning, um, Eric who is, I've known a long time, uh, is the father of social media in Tennessee doing this weather thing. Um, I got a lot of the ideas for starting this from him. Um, I learned about NWS chat in Eric's office um, at uh, Memphis, what, what do you got, MWN headquarters um, in Bartlett, um, exact location, uh, Undisclosed location. Yes, undisclosed location. Um, th there may or may not have been several layers of security, um, <laughs> but again, I'm I'm am not allowed to say. Uh, so yeah, so um, we've uh, we've been Will and I've been doing this together a long time. My story is that the when, when people ask me that question, I always say, "You remember in school when you had the uh, you're in class and it was boring because you were in the Middle Ages or whatever, and then." you get to the part where Gutenberg invented the printing press and now all of a sudden there's uh, the Bible can be distributed across Europe without the church leadership being the only ones who knew what it said. Um, that was kind of the democratization of Christianity. Uh, in my view, that happened uh, for weather nerds like myself when uh, Mike Gibson developed the GR products. And when he first got his products out, I immediately jumped on them because my frustration during severe weather was that I had to wait for the local uh, meteorologist to get to Davidson County where I worked and Williamson County where I live, which is basically metropolitan Nashville. And so I basically learned how to do it. I've learned radar. I was already a weather nerd, but learned how to, uh, you know, operational radar meteorology is a whole other thing. And, and message boards and honestly textbooks that I was able to beg, borrow and steal and just experience with it um, helped me kind of understand what I was looking at and helped me make decisions just for my, my uh, family at the time, whether when to take cover, when not to. 
And uh, my, that hobby grew. Some of my wife's friends who are paranoid about tornadic uh, storms, especially, were would text me and call me and bug me while I was trying to nerd out on the weather. And again, this is back in the time when we had flip phones. If I wanted to send a text message I and wanted to type B, I had to press the number two twice. That got annoying. So finally, I just said, stop calling me, stop texting me. I'm going to put all this stuff up on Twitter. And that's where this started. So you know, this ran for several months with just a following of about six people. And that's all it was intended to be. Um, and then they, their friends told their friends and off it went. And I soon realized that this was not anything that I could do by myself. So I went looking for help to find somebody to help me with it. And I took a chance on this guy over here. Um, we had we had lunch at the corner <laughs> pub in Midtown. And right at the end of the lunch, I was given on my Twitter password and we've never looked back. Um, I don't know that I ever would have met Will, uh, but for just running into him on Twitter and him agreeing to come meet with me. Uh, but it was easily the uh, the reason why we are where we are. So I'll let Will pick it up from there. Yeah, so um, about the same time David was doing, um, you know, interpreting the radar and putting it on Twitter, I was taking um, amateur radio reports from around the middle Tennessee area and putting those reports on Twitter. Um, it's still a, uh, a Twitter account that's up now. I think it's at mid TN storms or something like that. Um, and basically after the, the first meeting with David, after that lunch, we decided to join forces and we've been national severe weather ever since. Um, really, you know, David and I have always tried to keep things a little bit different. We've tried to, um, give things a, a fresh approach. We, um, are not trying to be your dad's weather forecast. We're not on TV. Um, you know, we, we just recently, I feel like, began doing a long-form blog. Uh, when it first started, all we were doing was severe weather. And so if it wasn't going to storm, you wouldn't hear from us at all. Uh, now it's turned into an almost round-the-clock second job for you know the five of us that make this thing work. Yeah, I was going to say, talk about that. I mean, you guys obviously have other jobs. How does this, how do you manage uh, doing this and that? I mean, uh, Nashville can have some quite diverse weather from times, sometimes. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah, well, if you guys would point out, too, you, you're not meteorologists either that are doing this on your yeah, no. side. You're, you're uh, – other things. Yeah, no, we're we're regular guys. Um, my tagline says "Master of Disaster." I'm in the disaster planning business. Uh, David is an attorney. Uh, the third man on our team, Andrew, is uh, an executive in a church. Here is a, a, a church pastor. Um, we also employ. I say employ. Uh, we also work with two meteorology students from the university uh, uh, from Mississippi State University who help us out a lot, do a lot of the writing. Um, you know, we have um, 11 kids between the three of us. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. None of them are Will. We have nine kids between the three of us. So, yeah, it definitely keeps us busy. 
And talk, talk to us how how did you go about um, how did you go about going to Mississippi or, or acquiring the help from uh, some Mississippi State students? I mean, how does that process go about? Um, so basically, what we did was uh, we found out that Eric had interns, and we said, "Hey, man, where'd you get your interns?" <laughs> so he was like, "Well, here." here are some resumes and we sifted through them and we're on our fourth generation of interns now. Um, and all of them have found jobs. Amazingly, uh, them working with us did not ruin their professional careers and scuttle their dreams. Uh, I'm still not sure how that happened, but, um, yeah, we, uh, the, the deal we make with our interns is, uh, as soon as it's kind of like in, uh, the West wing when, uh, if you haven't watched the West wing, hang up from the podcast and start watching. Um, but the deal that president Bartlett had with Charlie, who was kind of his, uh, personal assistant was once you graduate from law school, I'm kicking you out. And so that's the deal that we have with our interns. Once they graduate and become actual meteorologists, uh, then they need to leave, and the deal is they need to find people to replace them who are better than they were. Um, and we've again, we're in our fourth generation, and uh, every year they give us a handful of people, and we go through them, and we give them kind of an opportunity to write for us. Um, and then we will do interviews via Skype and bring them on. And we we really rely on the interns to uh, to to bring us good people. Um, and they have every year. So the current group we've got are Caroline McDonald and uh, Brendan Shaper. Um, sorry. <coughs> they're, they're fantastic. And we, we brought them on as juniors. And I was a little worried about that. But they're entering their senior year now. So we'll have them for another year. And they basically are responsible for our online content. They write every day except for uh, Sundays when they get a break. Um, and, and they have done a great job. So uh, we've always gotten really good people from state. Uh, I have a soft spot for Mississippi. I went to high school in Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, and even though I married into an Ole Miss family, um, <laughs> I'm still allowed to have interns from, from Starkville. So they've, they've really been fantastic. Uh, really good. They're not kids. They're professionals and um, they're smart about what they're doing. And they also try to have their own voice, which is important to us. So uh, we I love our interns. If yeah. there was anything that was going to cause us to uh, limit our activity on Twitter, it would have been the time it takes to write these blogs every day. Um, it really, it's taxing. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work. Uh, the good thing for the interns is they can turn around with a portfolio of work that they've done for a place where they didn't grow up and they don't live. Um, and, you know, them being able to help us keep the daily blog going and keep our followership engaged um, is, you know, really one of the most important parts about this whole deal. So um, let me follow up on that in, in a couple of different ways. One is um, with regards to social media and the other was re with regards to the responsibilities for the interns. Then um, what is the philosophy behind um, you three, um, the three, the main the main cast of characters here doing the Twitter and the interns doing the blog um, versus having them get some experience with the with Twitter and so forth um, and also talk a little bit about um, why you detest Facebook and why you won't ever go there. <laughs> Will you want to start that? Uh, which one do you want me to start on? Uh, um, you know what yeah, I'm going to say about Facebook. You might want to. I'll let David talk about Facebook. Um, and Eric, your other question was why don't we let the interns tweet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I love the interns, but at the end of the day, they are in their early 20s and uh, sometimes dealing with um, sometimes dealing with people in the heat of the moment requires a bit more maturity, we found. Um, it even as, uh, you know, grownups, uh, it's hard to use that term about yourself. Uh, even as grownups, we find um, that people on Twitter really have a hard time um, if you ignore them, if you um, don't give them the exact information they're wanting at the exact time. People can kind of, um, I guess, get a little testy. There is a troll factor that we deal with, which mm. we could spend an entire show talking about that. Um, but I, I, I think we're still a little bit leery to give the interns the keys to the castle. Uh, we do invite them to tweet after they put up a blog post. If they said, hey, I've got great content and I want to put it on Twitter, I don't think I'd say no to them. Um, but it's just not viable for an everyday thing. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it, it is an also a lot of responsibility for them. Um, you know, Caroline actually is from Murfreesboro, which is not too far from where we are. It's in an adjacent county. But the others don't understand what's going on. Uh, locally, they don't know all the landmarks. They don't know exactly where the Natchez Trace Bridge is. Um, they don't know that uh, you know there's uh, live on the green is tomorrow night. Although they do know that because we made them aware. But um, they, they don't understand the local stuff that's going on. And we believe firmly that uh, the reason this is successful, if it is successful, is because it's hyper local and it's people who are living in the community all the time. Uh, the interns are at Mississippi State. Uh, they don't understand what's going on here. Um, I, I will say that we're actually transitioning uh, during severe weather towards more of a Periscope model than we have in the past. I guess you'll probably ask me about that later, but um, that's good. I think that's the future of what we're doing. Um, and I think that might actually kind of be the only saving grace for Facebook. Facebook is awful. Um, because what we are doing in when we're, when we're providing our most valuable information, which is potentially life-saving information or property-saving information, um, you need it right away. Uh, the most important information you need has to be given to you immediately. And if I got to deal with another stupid algorithm that is filtering out my tornado warning with Facebook – um, or is delaying a report that needs to get to the weather service. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I see somebody send me something on Facebook, uh, a, a one-inch hail report, or here is a funnel cloud, and I got it three hours after the event. That does me no good. And Facebook is not the platform for that, and I won't use it. We used to use it. I used to try to auto-tweet it. I used to go over to Facebook, and I found out that, you know, hey, uh, you know, 3% of the people who – follow you on your Facebook page actually saw it. And I don't even know when they saw it. And, and frankly, it annoys me every time I get on my Facebook page because it says, Hey, pay us five bucks so we can send it out to another small percentage of the, of your larger audience. I'm like, crap, I can go to Facebook to Twitter for free and tweet out to 130,000 people if they want to follow it. Um, so I won't use it for severe weather. And because I won't use it for severe weather, I'm not going to use it for regular weather. I'm not going to let people think that they can come to our page to get timely information when they need it most because they saw a forecast about a sunny day yesterday. So I'm off of it altogether. And frankly, if I cared enough about it to go delete the page, I would. And if I did, I'd probably periscope myself deleting it. 
Um, it's just not the right platform. It's great for grandma. It's great for your wife. It's great for the crazy lady on the neighborhood Facebook page. I love Facebook for all that, but it's not for weather. And I wish people would get off of it. So, um, you know, if I could figure out a way to make sure that all the people who follow a, a live feed that we're doing through this OBS software through Periscope, um, I would do that. Um, only if I knew that when I put it up there, people could see it. Because the worst thing you can do is tell people there's important information here, them come to your page and not see it. They think well, there's no problem. They're not even tweeting. Meanwhile, here comes the storm. So um, Facebook sucks. <laughs> David, you know, I can, I can sort of attest to that. I've done a lot of Facebook live events from my page I seem to have more success with that, but I, I definitely have more success with my personal profile and or groups that I'm a part of to get the word out immediately. It's the pages that seem to have those algorithm issues. So I totally agree with you on that. Have you tried um, patching the Facebook Live on your page through OBS software into the live streaming channels? That's the next thing we're going to try to figure out. Um, right now, we're trying to figure out how to do Periscope well. Um, I mean, I would say three months ago, we were literally pointing. I, I, this is my setup. I had one of those. What are those mounts that we use, Will? The ones that you love? The RAM mounts? I would take a RAM mount. I would go into my kitchen. I would take a dinner plate. I would flip it upside down. I would attach the RAM mount to it. I would put several books on my desk in front of me, put the whole thing on there, and then point the phone at the screen and periscope that way. And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. Uh, so we found this OBS software, this open source stuff. Um, and it's, it's actually very, very well done, um, easy to use after you get over the learning curve. And we're still learning how that works. Along the way, I learned that I was not the best person to do live form you know, Periscope coverage. And um, Andrew, who actually used to do some of it in college when he went to school in Arkansas, and who has got, you know, he's a, he officiates church services at a pretty large church here in, in Nashville. Um, he's very good at it. And so that's been a blessing to have him come along and do that. So I, I think our next kind of role, or I guess project, one of our many projects, is to figure out, can we integrate that into Facebook? I mean, I'm not against meeting people where they are. Uh, I certainly want to reach as many people as I can, but only if I can do so reliably. So to answer your question, I don't know. If you've got to figure it out, I'd love to hear from you about how we can make it work. David, um, I'd like to introduce you to James Briarton. He's on the panel. <laughs> He's yeah, running yeah. all this through. James, James is our guru. He, he definitely is our guru. Plus, I think, just to mention real quick, the Weather Service uses Periscope frequently. Several mm -hmm. offices use it. Uh, yeah, ours does. On, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ours does Periscope and Facebook Live. And uh, one of the things that I'd like to touch on that maybe not a lot of your uh, your viewers know is our relationship. I think one of the things uh, for giving love to interns, I think at the same time we need to give love to our National Weather Service office. Um, they really um, welcomed us after repeated attempts knocking at their door. And um, I think their level of of access has enabled us to do a lot of, uh, of really cool things. And it's that relationship with them that we were really trying to foster. And that's why we do things on Twitter as opposed to Facebook. We really wanted as much real time reporting from the field as we can possibly get to deliver to the weather service as, as LSRs. Um, 
and that was a much more viable um, that that was much more viable through Twitter than it was through Facebook because of those delays that we would see in things being posted. So on that uh, on that note, I'll I'll insert here that um, we're also talking to the National Weather Association 2016 Public Service Award recipients for the nation last year, um, which has goes speaks directly to your relationship with the Weather Service and what you do for them. Can you guys talk a little bit more about what um, how that works with the Weather Service and what kind of service you're providing to them that uh, ended up earning you that distinction? That's um, one's question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's our, um, that's really our baby. Um, it's called T-Spotter, uh, hashtag T-S-P-O-T-T-E-R. Uh, the hashtag T-Spotter program was the brainchild of Tom Johnstone, who's now the MIC in Corpus Christi, who was the WCM in, uh, in Nashville, and David. They decided that we needed a way to capture information uh, in the form of storm reports and put them in the hands of the weather service. Um, it all started because we were getting reports on Twitter and trying to give them to the weather service and really reporting through public channels is not always the most effective way to do that. Uh, so we were asking for chat access for quite a long time. <laughs> uh, and we got turned down, I think three times. I know I got turned down twice individually and I think as a group at least three times. Um, and finally, when we got that access, we were able to deliver these reports from Twitter directly into chat and aid in the decision-making from the weather service. Uh, now the T-Spotter program is, uh, I would say, probably the largest single source of reports for at least the Middle Tennessee area. Um, I think if you look at a graph of what office gets the most reports, the Nashville office is going to be near the top because of this Peace Spotter program. And really for us, uh, the ability to get access from the weather service to chat and distribute that information to our followers, the same way TV meteorologists do it. Um, we, we felt like that needed to be a symbiotic relationship. We felt like if they were going to give us this information, we needed to be able to provide them with with as high a quality report as possible. Um, yeah, the article that David put up, I don't know if our followers can see that. Um, we had so many wind reports in Nashville that a, uh, a, a journalist for USA Today said, I want to see where the windiest city is. Who has the most reports about damaging wind? Thinking that all WFOs are equal. When they looked, they found Nashville had the most wind reports. Well, it's because Nashville gets the most wind reports. We don't get the most wind damage by far, uh, but we do probably get the most wind reports in the country. Uh, so now flash forward to today, uh, the way we run our operation on a severe weather day and um, it is having a, a point man interpret the radar, uh, communicated chat, and post offensive information, meaning uh, outbound communication to our followers. And that's David's job. My job is to take those reports that we get from the public, uh, collate them, uh, attempt at least to vet them, and then put them into chat. 
Uh, we've got a specific format that we follow when we post these reports. And uh, we would like to think that they, they make a difference. And I think the Weather Service would agree. And um, that's one of the big reasons that we were able to win the Walter J. Bennett Public Service Award from the weather uh, from NWA last year. And we couldn't be happier about it. I was honored to even get mentioned in a room full of professional meteorologists, being that we are three guys that just happen to do this for a hobby. And speaking of that, David or Will, um, how, how do you guys how do you guys provide this? I mean, I know GR products are not free. How, how do you how do you sustain Nash severe weather? I'll let Andrew uh, talk about that. Andrew Leeper, who's the third man on our team, has joined us, um, and I'll let Andrew talk about that. Sure. Can you guys hear me? Okay. We got you. Thanks for joining, Andrew. Hey, no problem. Sorry, I couldn't be here earlier, but I appreciate the invitation. Um, so we, uh, you know, for quite a while, we've been in a situation where, you know, we just we just sort of pour in our own money, our family's money, into this, and and are uh, just sort of a. Uh, something we just enjoy doing and and you know that comes to a point where you want to do some things and you have some ideas that you want to uh, incorporate into what we're doing that just are outside of what our families maybe are willing to <laughs> to put in um, over the course of time because it does get expensive for the data and that sort of thing so uh, we have incorporated the use of and we looked a lot uh, at, at how to do this and what the most appropriate way to do it and uh, and that kind of thing and not saying what we're doing is the best way, but we think it's the best for us right now. We are using a um, an account called Patreon, and it is sort of a, a subscription type service, not a subscription to our material. You're not paying to see our material. It's not behind a paywall. Um, but what it does is it it hits your bank account with whatever you pledge every month, and uh, whether it be five dollars, a dollar, ten dollars, or fifty dollars, and uh, and so it. It allows us a continuous stream, if you will, of funds that we can, um, can, for lack of a better term, count on from month to month. And so it's not a one-time crowdsourcing type of thing, and then you're, um, you know, you're sort of on your own after that. Uh, so that has helped us tremendously, and we've been able to get some data that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise, and we've been able to uh, to look at doing. Uh, things that we really wouldn't have done had we not had those funds coming in. So that's been really, really exciting uh, to watch happen. So to have a, uh, to have a model like that, you really have to have a, you know, a pretty good um, loyal followership um, to be able to get something like that that sustains. And so, you know, the burning question for those of us who don't have 130,000 followers and I'll, I'll say I started before you guys, and I have maybe one-tenth of that, so I'm very jealous. But how do you get to 130,000 followers um, doing what you guys do? What What's the secret? David, maybe that's for you. Um, okay. Well, first, you, you set out not to get 130,000 people following you. You set out to help people out, even if it's a dozen people or 120,000 people. Um, if, if you're constantly worried about how many people are following you, uh, you're going to burn out and it's going to get discouraging. Um, in order to grow, you need storms, um, even bad storms. Uh, our growth is basically a, 
a, a chart of where the severe storm events were. So um, we had, I think I, we went from, I was like a hundred people. I mean, like I was in church one morning when we got our hundredth follower, she was a friend of my wife. I guess they're still friends, but, um, and they, uh, you, you know, a big thunderstorm complex came through and some dude who was local here retweeted a bunch of our stuff and it ended up going from a uh, hundred to about a thousand people on one thunderstorm. And uh, what happens is we are hyper local. And I think that's really important. Um, I, we're only two counties. Now there's a lot of people who live here, but if you try to cover too much of an area, I think you're kind of running into, well, I can get that from the TV people. I want somebody who's super, super local because honestly, the people in Nashville don't care about the storm in Clarksville. Um, so uh, I think that's helped us. Um, and then we've been fortunate. People with huge followings have retweeted us. Um, we had the big event, the uh, March 2nd, 2012 event where we were high risk. Um, the Actually, the southwest quadrant of the high risk kind of touched uh, Nashville Metro. And we were a quiet day. Our dew point stayed 57.58. Didn't get quite high enough until a supercell appeared uh, north of Jackson, Tennessee, and went almost due east. Uh, dropped a tornado in Ashland, uh, in Cheatham County, south of Ashland City, which is uh, right along I-40 coming into town. It was it had a nice little signature on it, and it was tornado warned. This is now at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. There is a SEC women's basketball tournament downtown. People are getting out of school. Um, I-40 on the east side of – I'm sorry, I-40 on the west side of town, moving east, is busy. There's a bunch of people up, and here comes a supercell. What's already produced a tornado? Um, people aren't in front of their televisions; they're just not. And at that time, social media wasn't as advanced. There certainly weren't streaming apps that people could go and get local TV coverage. So we were. T- I mean, I, I tweeted by myself on that, um, just on the outbound stuff. For I think on that day, it was 15 hours straight. And when that thing came in. Um, it was dropping, uh, I think it was two inch hail in some spots. I don't know if it's quite that big, but it was a huge, huge event. And the number one radio station in the South for sports basically read all our tweets on the air. So we went from about 2000 to about 8,000 in about four hours. And then from there, um, the, I'm sorry, let me interrupt. Who yeah. was that that was reading the tweets? Clay Travis on one Oh four five. Uh, Clay, um, some, he's a polarizing figure. Um, I can say he's an above average basketball player. Um, and he did score, uh, I think 12 points on my basketball team, but two of them are three pointers that went off the backboard and should not have counted. Um, but, it, but Clay was a big fan and those guys, even the other guys on there, uh, Blaine Bishop, who was former, uh, quarterback for the Titans and Brett Doherty, who's still, those guys are still on the radio. Um, uh, they're constantly talking about what we're doing because we're very, very specific to one or two counties. Um, and so that was really, really helpful. And then you just can't miss a storm. You just can't, people need to know that you're going to be there. And you, we, I learned that you don't need to be just severe weather. Uh, people need to a reminder that you're there. So that's why we do the website. I hate forecasting. 
I mean, I just, I hate trying to tell people whether or not it's going to rain in 48 hours because uh, it's just so hard to say and they want actionable information and I'll prevent, I'll, I'll prevent myself from going into an app rant. Maybe we can do that later, but um, I wanted to constantly know, I want people to constantly know they could come to us for information. So when you get uh, those storm days, they know that you're there. And so, man, we just have people retweet what we're doing. Um, and then the other thing is just have a personality. Uh, if you think something's funny, put it up. I mean, I can't count the number of 902 and O jokes that I put up there that are hilarious objectively, but no one else has found funny. But I, I put them up there because I think jokes about, you know, Brendan or Brandon Walsh and Dylan and, and Steve Sanders are hilarious. So that's why I do the Sharknado stuff because it entertains me and I'm having fun while I'm doing it. And if people see that I'm having fun, it doesn't seem like such a, you know, shirt and tie, starchy, you know, I've got to stay behind this wall and, you know, do this, this and this. It's just a different kind of a medium. It's a unique medium, too, because people can talk back to you. And so if if somebody tweets at me, I try to respond to it just to let them know, hey, I hear you. Uh, I understand what you're saying or I hear you. And politely, that was a dumb tweet Uh, or just, you know, without touching the, you know, the the things that will electrocute a Twitter account, which is SEC football, religion, and politics. Uh, if you can stay clear of those things, you'll be okay. Um, so how does it grow, man? I don't know. I can't explain it. Uh, I'm blown away. I have a quick question. Um, uh, Nashville is kind of similar with us here in the Carolinas, the Charlotte area. What grows your Twitter account more, severe weather or winter weather? Ooh, that's a good question. Um. Winter weather is, man, a touchy one. I, I, I would have to say um, we don't have any parody accounts of the way people behave for severe weather. Uh, we do have parody accounts for the way people behave during winter weather. Um, check out at Panic Catfish on Twitter, and you can read some of that. Um, it is uh, winter weather in the South is just as crazy as anything I've ever seen. Uh, people really start freaking out 10 days out. Um, I, I've, David, who, uh, other than the interns, David does the, the lion's share of our forecasting. Uh, and I've, I've never seen him more tired than after, uh, you know, three days leading up to a winter weather event. Yeah, it's awful. Um, I I think the answer to the question is very, very close, but I think it's tornadoes. Um, I think if, you know, especially in the wake of the April 27th, 11 outbreak and then Joplin coming, you know, not even a month later, um, that's when we experienced rapid growth. And I think it's because people understand that the tornado can kill you. The snow will inconvenience you. Um, the snow will cause problems, but the tornado will kill you. And, and people are desperate to have the information now. And they cannot possibly wait for the commercial on the TV to end or for the meteorologist on TV to get to your storm. Um, and so I think that the spike in Twitter traffic goes up during tornado weather. Um, the spike in web traffic comes up during snow forecasting. I was just going to say the same. Oh, go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the exact same thing over in here in Memphis. It's uh, it's about the immediacy of the severe weather, and so definitely more people tuning in uh, on Twitter when there's severe weather outbreak. But eight of my top ten blog posts all time have been two or three days in advance of a winter storm. Um, they just they just suck people in. It's, it's Jay, pretty amazing how it works. 
James, I would say winter weather for us here in the Carolinas, right? Yes, especially since you're asking a New Yorker to chime in on Southerners reacting <laughs> yeah, to snow. Uh, I mean, yes, very much so. Speak for yourself up there in Western North Carolina now. I mean, here we got tropical systems. That's the big that's thing right. here. That's so, right. I mean, we, that's when uh, my traffic goes up really high is when we have a tropical system. I think Matthew last year, wow, kept me pretty busy. Um, gentlemen, I'd like to get to your website. Uh, if you'll allow me to do that, I would go ahead and share the screen. And I also want to ask if you have a weather app maybe – uh, in the pipeline for every for everyone to use. Why don't we um, can we first while we're looking at um, you know some classic Breaking Bad on our website? Can we talk about the gift war between um, <laughs> Memphis and Nashville? Um, I, I, I'm sure. I'm interested to hear what Eric thinks about our gift game. What I think, well, I I think that my opinion differed slightly from my intern's opinion because they were very quick to uh, <laughs> to jump in there. <laughs> Um, my interns have a very strong gift game, but, uh, you guys have kind of built your, uh, not, not on, not, uh, not saying you haven't built your, uh, status, or whatever on the weather information, but, um, the, the methodology that you provide it, um, is certainly eye, eye grabbing and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that gets people's attention. They see, uh, personality, um, uh, real folks behind it. And so, uh, the gifts in your blog definitely are right up there at the top and, uh, but, I'll tell you what, I, uh, Alex will be on here in a few weeks, and we'll we'll uh, ask him again about how that gift war went because he was manning the uh, the machine guns on that one. So go ahead, uh, tell us a little bit about how the how the uh, how you use the website then, and uh, how you got it set up. So the website again, it's ninety five percent of it is intern driven. Um, I wrote probably. Uh, I've probably written now finally less than half of the blogs on there. It's been going strong, I think, since 2013, although I might be wrong. I might be way wrong about that. It might not be that old. Um, but there's lots of stuff like uh, about the, the website that I hate. Uh, like For example, that little strip along the top, uh, we're working on that, that thing that we pull off the weather services page where it says chance tea storms. That's crap app stuff that I hate, but I, people want it. Um, and, and honestly, because it's from the weather service, I don't have a problem with it because I know those numbers come from people with brains and not, uh, vomited model output data from a mysterious source. Um, and then we're actually almost, almost to the point of putting a new, uh, radar site up there, uh, for people. Um, but what I tell the interns with, the, yeah, that's the existing one we got. It's fine, but the other one we got is going to be so much better. Um, and this this website, by the way, was a disaster until we got the Patreon thing off the ground because the thing kept crashing. We didn't have enough. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know next to nothing about how websites work. I just knew that mine would crash and I would be sad um, and then it would make me mad. And so we hired a guy um, who's been fantastic, um, who's worked way harder than he probably should on it uh, to make it stable and make it look good because he was one of the first people who followed and he's really done fantastic work. But this website is a, is a, a project that's going to, I think, get a, a pretty good overhaul. But um, anyway, so I'm not exactly, I'm really proud of where we are now versus six months ago. Um, I think it can get a lot better um, and it will get a lot better as soon as we, uh, we get it moving. But um, as for kind of the the content, I tell the interns this is a blank slate. 
and you guys can do with it what you will. But the but the there are rules such as don't give your own forecast. Um, you're required to read the forecast discussion from the you know the morning AFD from the Weather Service in Nashville. Um, if you're going to cite a source, you better cite the source. Not I think or someone else thinks, but this model says this and this model says that. We're very big on expressing uncertainty. Um, we're very big on um, making sh- making absolutely sure that we're not telling people something we don't know. Um, and then we're also big on telling people when we screw up, which is off, you know often. And I think that kind of that transparency helps grow it. But yeah, as you're scrolling by, like those radars, that all that stuff's going to get taken down. I mean, that stuff. I, I think even the weather service is probably embarrassed by what that product looks like. <laughs> I mean, that looks like something from the Weather Channel in like 1991. Um, those, by the way, that River Stage page is really helpful, uh, especially when we're getting a lot of rain, and you don't got to tell Nashvilleans to worry about flooding um, after what happened here um, in 2011. Um, but yeah, just how we generate it. I let the interns do what they want with it. I really do. I just, I make sure that, uh, it's grammatically correct. If there's a typo, I want it fixed because I don't think you have any credibility if you can't write or spell. And I think that's important. Uh, if somebody wants to at least believe you or think you're a reputable source, uh, to make sure that you're actually putting a, a, a verb and a noun where it goes. Although I did just talk to one of our interns today about, you know, Hey, try some sentence fragments. Um, so I'm a little bit of a hypocrite in that respect, but, uh, it's, it's my desire for the website to be a place somebody goes instead of an app, because I think that the apps are awful for people. I think people are making bad decisions based on them. Um, I think the apps are conditioning the public to believe that a weather forecast can be, uh, accurately communicated with uh, some clip art from MS Paint and and a percentage that nobody knows what it means. And I I think if we can express uncertainty and tell the truth about what we know, what we don't know, we're in good shape. So that's what this website's supposed to be. Plus, if you're you're anything in the new economy, you have to have a website. Like if you don't have a website, you might as well be grandpa or have like an, you know, an AOL account or a CompuServe account that doesn't work anymore. Um, so, yeah, we we, yeah. we definitely tried for a long time not to have one. Yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, but it, it's unavoidable. I had one started. I didn't like the way it looked. I didn't have the time for it. And then I abandoned it. And then it came back to it because I realized how important it is. And frankly, in a snow forecast, you cannot use Twitter to accurately convey the information. So you need a, more of a space to put it. And then, of course, the other frustrating thing is I'm sure you all, all we all have experienced is when somebody comes to you and you've just answered a question on Twitter about you know, whether or not we think it'll be freezing rain or sleet. And then you spend all this time answering it and then you do a blog and then somebody comes and says, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? It's like, you know, if we can just train people to go to the website to get the information, if they have questions, then they can come to us. And I, I, I dream about putting at the end of our, of each blog, a code word uh, like bananas or something. And so if you have a question and you want to ask us, you have to type bananas. And that way I know you read our blog and then we'll listen to your question. (laughs) Um, But, and there's a lot of kind of jerk moves that I want to do like that. But at the end of the day, we have to be patient with people. They've just come to us for information. So we probably shouldn't be jerks about it. 
David, can I jump in just a second? Yeah. Um, so one thing about the website that we is, is fairly recent is that over on the right, you'll see a, uh, a Twitter feed on the right side of the website. And the reason that we decided to put that there was that we realized that not everybody that wants to follow us wants a Twitter account. Um, and so, you know, we, we invite them to, to be with us as well. So we want them to follow us, but they may not want a Twitter account. So they can just go to the website and those tweets will update automatically over there on the right side of the website. And that was, um, that was based on some, some feedback that we got. And, and uh, so there's those kinds of improvements that really we didn't know how to do uh, earlier on before the Patreon thing happened. And, and we got our web guy and that and he's, he's, he's been so helpful in getting that kind of thing up and running. And uh, that's just one of those features that, that we have found to be very helpful uh, to the website. Very cool. I want to get back to David on shark NATOs. I think shark dynamics are amazing. I can't wait to forecast them one day. Yeah, did you see that that article that the um, Capital Weather Gang was putting around about how hey, shark NATOs may actually be real? Um, <laughs> because apparently some fish got ingested and spit out on a beach somewhere. I don't know. Um, but look, shark NATO is the one kind of vacation I take from being strictly about weather and uh, frankly I mean I think we should review Sharknado 5 here while we have a minute I was really disappointed with it uh, I thought the first 30 minutes were fantastic and then it just really jumped the shark um, after I, I can't believe I said that that, that was an unintentional pun um, <laughs> but Sharknado is great because famous people come on and they get eaten by a shark and you never know who's going to show up um, and, and so I love it and I Gosh, did y'all see the hashtag on it the other night? I mean, it is scrolling. I mean, you can't, you have to stop it in order to see the tweets. People really are watching this thing. Oh, it's a cult classic for sure. Uh, it, it was really, really good. Although I don't know. I mean, at the at the end of it, I was like, come on, guys. I mean, they're obviously go, queuing up for another sequel. I guess this would be number six. And I'll watch it. But they get a, they need some famous people to get eaten by the shark. Um, at some point, they got to eat Al Roker. Uh, he's been on like every single one of them. And uh, I want to see some other people go. Um, but the Brett Michaels scene was hilarious. I was screaming laughing. It was great. I think we need Jim Cantori in there with a baseball bat next time. For yeah. Sure. He awesome. would totally do it too. Yeah. So I got one more question. I know we're, we're sort of, we're getting on the nine o'clock hour here. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys touched on this earlier or not, but how did you get interested in weather? What, what drives you, your passion for weather? Uh, Andrew, why don't you or Will take that one? Okay. Uh, well, uh, we all have our stories, right? We all have our stories about what is, what got us interested in, in, uh, in weather, first of all, but also telling the public about what's coming. And I tell you, um, I think I share this story with, is it either, I think it's Will maybe, uh, April 16th, 1998. Um, and the F3 tornado went through Nashville. And uh, I was uh, watching that on TV and saw that happen. And <clears throat> it was one of the scary moments in our town. And uh, it was just amazing uh, what happened. And it was terrible. Uh, but as a young guy, that really got my interest up in weather. I mean, I, I watch the, the videos of that day now and I go back and I'm just like, man, that is just incredible. So I think all of us have a story. But that was that moment, I think, for me when I said, I think I want to not only get interested in weather, but I also want to be sure that those truckers that were driving on the interstate at that moment that had no idea what was coming, that was going to impact them in a few moments. But how can we tell people what's coming when they just have no idea? 
All right. And how about you, Will? Uh, yeah, same event. Uh, April 1998 uh, was a senior in high school. Um, the tornado came right down West End Avenue in Nashville, which happened to be the same street my school uh, was on. Uh, remember uh, vividly going into the basement in the theater building of the, the school where there was a, an underground area. Uh, but even more vividly, remember the devastation in East Nashville. Um, remember being in our service club for, uh, for high school and going over there and helping with debris removal. Uh, just the number of the, the thing that stays with me, the thing that I try to keep in mind, um, when I do the weather, um, were the blue tarps on the roofs of all the houses in East Nashville when uh, when the tornado blew holes in uh, in one of the most um, depressed parts of the city at that time. Uh, that's that's something that really stuck with me and, and something that really piqued my interest in the weather. Yeah, so if you can see my screen, this is the Nashville tornado. Um, this was actually taken not far from where my, my former office was. We since moved into the Gulch. Um, and, and when this tornado was going through, I was um, in college in Mississippi. Um, I wasn't here in Nashville. My event was, my first weather event was as a kid. We used to have, I lived in Mason, Ohio, which is not too far from Cincinnati. And there was one basement in the neighborhood and it had two pool tables and two kegs and a television and a laundry room. And it was a party every time you went over there, um, except for the time we were running across the street in the middle of the night and I tripped and fell and I felt like the tornado was going to get me. I, it's probably where my, uh, my first fear of it came. But for me, um, my event was Katrina. There's a, if you want to read more about it, it's, if you just go to our website, go slash Katrina. Um, there's a very, very long post about, uh, what that did um, to to me. I, I, we had moved from Gulfport uh, when it had come or after it had come, but I went down with my church to help clean up afterwards. And that's the story of this. Um, it, it's it's for those of you who've been in an, a, a tornado debris path um, or have seen something like uh, the place where you went to high school and your family lived and something just wiped completely clean. Um, that does something to you. Um, on this map here, uh, this is where the mall was. Uh, one of my houses was right here um, and it got completely destroyed. Um, and then there's, if you were south of these railroad tracks, you were toast. Um, nothing really uh, withstood uh, the storm surge that came through. Um, and so I could go on and on about this, but this was my event. And this, I think if this had not happened and I had not gone down there in 2005 and spent five days trying to clean it up, um, I don't know that I'd be tweeting. I really don't. Um, this is where my sister used to work, not at the sports pub, but there was an ice cream place back here. And it's just weird that you can see clean through something that was part of your daily life. Um, this, I mean, imagine your house. And the the Chick Fil A down the street, or the McDonald's, and the um, the whatever is close to your house. Imagine it like this. Um, it's unbelievable. 
So that's, I mean, this is common stuff. And so we walked around this. My, it was my job to navigate a chainsaw crew through there. And anyway, this is the story of that. So if you go to our website slash Katrina, that's, that's my why. Uh, and that's what, what got me interested in it. But I'm a weather nerd just like the rest of you guys. Um, but this is what makes me motivate. I mean, just look at this stuff. I mean, th- this is my church right here. Um, and this is where I spent all my time in the library. Um, on the second floor was where I spent, you know, where with the periodicals because I was a debate team nerd. Um, it just every little place when it, when a storm takes it away from you, um, I just get like just sad and angry and upset all at the same time, just kind of scrolling back through these images. Um, and, and so I, I imagine there's going to be a whole other generation of kids from from uh, Glenn Campbell and from uh, or Phil Campbell. Sorry. I got just died. Um, Phil Campbell and and from April 27th and from Tuscaloosa and from uh, Coleman and those kids in in Missouri at Joplin who had this happen to them, Um, except they hadn't moved away. That was actually their house and that was their school. Um, And if, if I can do a little bit to help people through it or to avoid getting hurt by it, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and that's kind of my why. That's that, that's awesome right there. That's um, very touching. Um, well, like Chase said, we're, we're past the 9 o'clock hour. I have one last question for you guys. Well, what's the future for Nash Severe Weather? What, what does it look like two, five, ten years from now? Um, I don't know. Uh, I told Tom Johnstone at the time when we – and started this T-Spotter thing five years ago, then in five years it'd be obsolete. Uh, that was wrong. Uh, I, I think the future is video. I think that's the future. Uh, people, uh, people aren't using televisions anymore. This is the new television. And if you can deliver content to this thing via uh, an, an immuted content, content or a sound audio content, where, you know, because a lot of people there at work, they're watching, they can't have it on. Um, I, I think if you can deliver information via the phone, via video, that's hyper-local and right to the point with a little bit of personality, that's where weather's going. I agree. I agree. And now that Ginger Z has an apartment there in Nashville, does that mean that you're doubling in the next six months when she gives you a shout-out? Uh, wait, no, really? I didn't what? know she lived here. Yes. <laughs> Her husband got a job in Nashville and they've got an apartment there. Where is in the Gulch? It's probably in the Gulch. I, I don't well, know, but it was in her tweets today. How do we miss she, this, guys? Um, she's more than welcome, as you have in the past, uh, Eric. She's more than welcome to come write a guest blog post anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, Eric, are you uh, you guys going to talk about who's better, Memphis or Tennessee, or Nashville, as we uh, close out the show? Well, I mean, I guess it depends the topic. Uh, um, you know, I think pro uh, sports. Pro sports? Oh, I don't know. Grizzlies have had quite a run. We'll see. You guys have you. I'll, I'll give you the NHL though. That's that's up your you've upped your game here in the last uh, in the last couple of years with that. So barbecue, you guys come on down anytime. I. Limitless. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really not even worth discussing. <laughs> I, the, o- the only thing that Memphis had us on, and I can say this as a former Memphian, 
Um, the only thing Memphis had us beat on was they were bigger, and that's not true anymore. Nashville has just this year passed Memphis in size, and I suppose if we are going to lose the title, it'll be because the traffic gridlocks the entire city. Um, <laughs> it, that might be the only way. But, you know, the fear here is that we're, we're turning into an Atlanta. So I guess the lesson is not to get the Olympics here, which I, will never happen. But, um, you know, there's, I have a lot of good, there's a lot of good people in Memphis. Um, and, and in all seriousness, um, I don't know that I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this without Eric helping me along the way. Um, here, here. There's just – there's no way that that happens. Um, he, Eric kind of reached out to me and um, helped me out, helped me understand things I did not understand or what probably would not have figured out. Um, Eric, you've been a friend to us um, and we still look up to you and, and are still learning from how you're doing things. And we also understand that you're a lot better at this than we are. I don't think that the the follower numbers has anything to do with it. Um, You serve them very, very well. Um, and, and I just can't, you know, I'm just really appreciative, uh, of the time and energy you put into our relationship. Um, because we aren't, again, when I, when we got that award at NWA, I said, we're standing on a lot of people's shoulders and I probably should, I don't know if I mentioned you, I meant to, I honestly didn't know we were giving a speech until we got into there. Um, but, uh, when I say that you are the, the, the guy who blazed the trail here, it's the truth. Well, Very and it's, cool. uh, Thank you. And that's, it's also uh, a testament to what you guys do though. And, and we don't have time to get into the details. I'd love to, but um, you know, that you have replicated that um, throughout all of middle Tennessee uh, with individuals covering all pretty much all the counties now in middle Tennessee and serving the weather service there in Nashville. Um, so to be able to take what you've done and franchise it basically out um, to, to serve the people of middle Tennessee is just, uh, it's amazing that you've done it and congratulations to are certainly in order for, all the kudos you've received because it's uh, it's definitely well worth it. Well, well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. If it's if we're going to grow and get better, it's because we got Andrew over here who's like who's yeah. really kind of kicked us in the butt and helped us get better. I noticed you said Memphian. Does that mean Nashville or Nashvillians? Um, yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, as long as you concede that we're winning this argument, you can call us whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, except it. <laughs> Except it appears that two of the three of us were uh, lived in Memphis at one time and then moved to Nashville. So I was born there. And, and uh, oh, I didn't know that you were born yeah. in Memphis. Yep. Oh, see, it's all over now. So you guys have ruined. It. <laughs> Carolina Weather Group is the official end of Nash Severe Weather. Well, right. Oh, that's good. Do we have uh, tweets of the week? Do we want to do tonight to wrap up? Yeah, yeah. Let's do tweets of the week, guys. I've failed to mention in my emails. We do a tweet of the week, so. If- I'll, if you guys want to pull up your Twitter account, maybe find something interesting over the past week and share it, you can. Uh, we'll start. Uh, Eric, are you ready? i got to pull mine up right quick. Yeah, I, I got one. It. Oh, go ahead, James. Is that you? Okay. That is me. Hello. Hey, welcome back. Uh, thank you very much. Sitting here quietly just punching buttons. Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and uh, pull mine up. Um, this was something that came out of uh, the peninsula 
Delmarva. Did you guys see uh, that tornado? I'm sure you did. It made national news earlier in the week, but this was just great surveillance footage of it making its way across the parking lot. So this was a retweet. We'll give credit to the actual source here in just a second. But watch the bottom of the screen. If you can see my mouse, boy, it is trying to buffer. Uh, we're going to have a car come into frame and uh, flip on over here as uh, the tornado came on through. And you would just happen to know it that, of course, the media should not be played at this time. <laughs> so uh, head on over to Twitter and check out Daniel Johnson WX because he has the original media and I promise it plays much better on his Twitter profile than mine. I thought you were, you were doing a good job stretching there, James. Good job. I was trying. That was, I was an trying. impressive video. I, I have looked at that a couple of times and just kept, it just, you know, one of those, it's like watching a car crash over and over again. You just gotta, you can't turn away. It's a good one. Um, I will, uh, I will share here. Let's see. Um, sorry, taking me a second. Uh, Jeez, Eric, come on! Okay. Mine was so quick and so, so functional. I, I actually have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull two of these, and this is from our earlier gift war. This is my gifts of the week. Um, this is the one that kind of I think uh, lit the fire that had to spark at the very beginning when uh, when my intern Alex jumped in and uh, decided that he had something to say about the whole uh, who's the gift king thing. Uh, as in fact, I just watched that movie recently, probably probably three weeks ago, and so that one really hit home. Um, and then I got to also give a shout out because you know I have great interns and and they have impeccable timing. Um, Adam was another one that uh, that we had that that uh, is one of my interns, and uh, he has he's uh, been working full time up in D.C. this summer, hasn't really been um, as involved. But he saw this going on and he walked in and uh, he just came up with the uh, sorry, I'm late. And I got to admit it's lame, but I was rolling on the floor laughing when he comes in in the middle of all of this that we were doing and just, you know, casually walks into the conversation. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Anyway, has nothing to do with weather. <laughs> That's OK. They don't have to be. No, um, no part of the segment necessarily has to. That's right. Uh, here's my tweet of the week. This from Je- Jeff Piotrowski. Uh, this was the tornado that went through Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, kind of uh, odd timing for the tornado. A lot of debate on Twitter and weather Twitter about this tornado. But needless to say, uh, this was the 17-story uh, Remington. I'm sorry, 18-story Remington Tower. As you can see, numerous uh, windows blown out. Uh, even some uh, damage to the to the side of the building there in Tulsa. So. Uh, pretty strong tornado. I think it was a uh, rated EF2 on the high end scale of that. Uh, as they say in Oklahoma, all months of the year, tornado season out there. Anybody else? Shay, you got one? Yeah, I, actually I do. Let's see. This one I just, I just did a little bit ago. Uh, the more impressive just popped up here. This is Hurricane Franklin making getting ready to make landfall in Veracruz, Mexico. And you can see on the Go 16, just the impressive outburst, the overshooting uh, convection plume out the top of the system. It shows rapid strengthening. In fact, this this would be might be considered a rapid intensification phase. But it, as it moves into land in the mountainous zones of Veracruz, it's probably not going to be able to do very much more than what it is now. Uh, last winds were 85 miles per hour. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go 90 to 95 for a strong Category One, but uh, the system looks very impressive. I mean, you can you can see in some of the details. What I love about Go 16, this gravity rippling effect that shows rapid cooling out the top, uh, outflow, very healthy outflow for the system. The only thing it's lacking is a is a strong eye wall, uh, but it, it, very impressive. You know, just just as the sun goes down, 
And seeing something like that barrel into the Veracruz coast, uh, very impressive indeed. All right. Uh, David, All right. Uh, I've got one. All right. Go ahead, Will. Memphis was faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, let me hit my screen share here. After that. So, this was mine for the week. Um, what I think has to be the funniest. Man, that thing wow. launched. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> It really what about, did. What dynamics in the backyard inside the fence area? Wow. Somebody somewhere reported that as a UFO. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where is that? Uh, unknown place, unknown time. Wow. <laughs> Good thing so the kids were on it. And maybe I, Nat- uh, is it, are you sure it's not Nashville since you guys are the windiest city? <laughs> it could be. could be. We call those God's Frisbees over here. <laughs> Always the first thing to go. Um, here, I'll show mine, and then Andrew, you can come after me. Here's This is just one of the, the thousands of tweets uh, with this map on it. Just, re- just a friendly reminder that if you want to go into the path of totality of the eclipse, you can't go to Memphis to get it. <laughs> Coming over to Nashville, we've got everything. I mean, if this is not yet another reason why Nashville is superior, I don't know what is. I mean, God has basically decided, you know what? They're cool. I'm going to give them the path of totality, and we're going to leave Memphis out of it. Oh, that's awesome. We're closer in 2024. <laughs> well, I mean, by then, the world not might not still be here. Well, I, I, the news? Yeah, I wasn't going to ask your question about how you think nuclear winter is going to affect climate change. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cold. Nuclear winter. All right, Andrew. It does. Okay. Uh, hey, I don't have a screen share because I'm looking at this on my other computer. Apologize. But uh, Rick Smith tweeted something. This goes back to the Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, tornadoes. He said, last night's storms remind us Oklahoma tornado season runs from January 1st through December 31st. Storms don't use a calendar. And that has been so true here in um, Middle Tennessee. I mean, just, you know, we had a, a record number of tornadoes in July of like 2015 around here that was just incredible we had a day where we had numerous tornadoes right here in the metro area and you just can't ever let your guard down and we figured that out the hard way that day uh, but it's it's true everywhere and so uh, that was just a tweet that stood out to me this week from rick over in oklahoma city is this the one from national service tulsa uh this was a tweet specifically from rick but same kind of thing there have been multiple messages same kind of thing over this past week you just you know you never know. Right. Yeah. I was trying to grab it for you. I didn't know if, uh, if it was recent or last. Yeah. This week. was from Sunday, I believe. Sunday. Sunday from Rick. The sixth. I remember. Yeah, here. Hang on. Yeah. 1126 AM. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I wish I could pull it over for you, but have a look. That's all right. Um, Eric, you want to, We're excited about our partnership with you guys. Kind of give us uh, some updates on that. 
Yep, absolutely. So just a reminder to everybody that uh, the uh, Stormwatch Plus app, which if there is one app that the Nash Severe Weather folks actually do recommend, uh, it is this one. And we're great to uh, glad to have a partnership with them as well. Uh, remind everybody that Stormwatch Plus is uh, your severe weather warning app. Um, available for iOS right now. We uh, actually had a discussion with the app developer about a week ago, and we're looking at uh, some plans for this fall to be able to expand this, definitely get it into the Android community, as well as some other uh, exciting things too. So uh, if you're looking for an app that will warn you when you are in the polygon and not when you're not, uh, make sure that you uh, check out Stormwatch Plus for uh, your iOS devices. And when you uh, download that and get the uh, in-app upgrade that gives you the alerts, Make sure that you put in the referral code Carolina, unless you're listening from Nashville, and then we'd be glad to uh, have you put in Nash Severe WX in there as well. Uh, either one of those, we're uh, thankful for everybody who checks out the Stormwatch Plus app and uses that to keep their community uh, themselves and their family members and everything safe during severe weather. All right, very good. Well, we are uh, running out of time. Thank you for watching the Carolina Weather Group tonight. I'll give you a quick rundown. Next week, our show, I'm not sure about... Shay and I have not been able to reconfirm with our guests for next week. Um, but after that, August 23rd, we have reporting from the Disaster Zone. Rilds Wolf from the Weather Channel will be joining us. He's going to be talking to us about uh, just some of the stories that he's covered while uh, covering it for the Weather Channel. And then on August 30th, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, precipitation uh, percentages and how that is confusing to the general public. Brad Panovich is uh, our guest for that as well. So uh, thanks for watching tonight on the Carolina Weather Group. We hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday night.